Hi everyone, I'm Nerd Bummer. And I'm Tactic, and we're two of the hosts of the Online Warriors podcast. Our podcast started as a way for three best friends to keep in touch and discuss their nerdy hobbies like movies, gaming, tech, and more. Since then, we've grown into a great community. Every Wednesday, we chat about the latest nerdy news before getting hands-on with our weekly nerdy adventures. And don't forget our high-stakes trivia game. Come join the fun at OnlineWarriorsPodcast.com and every major podcast platform. And now, back to Collateral Cinema. I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Ashley Chancellor. I'm The Vern. And this is Collateral Cinema and Collateral Gaming with Cinema Recall. Welcome to Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters, where we focus on good movies, bad movies, and everything else in between in the world of cinema. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you have, smoke it if you've got it. Oh, man, and it's really, really, really foggy now, right? Super foggy. Super foggy. (laughs) I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's like just you know the demon world smoking a lot of weed, you know, the other world. But is this the fog world, or that, that, are that, we in the other world? Yeah, I, I think that it's. I think that's what the fog world is. It's just all the weed smoke from the other world just coming <laughs> into our um, domain or our dominion or whatever. But anyway, yeah. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Collateral cinema. And Collateral Gaming. So this is, in fact, a collab episode, as we usually do with uh, video game movies. And also, we have a guest, Mr. Vern from Cinema Recall. Uh, how's it going, man? Well, <coughs> man, woo! Ah, good. <laughs> I, feel, I feel good. I feel nice. I feel relaxed. Uh, about to ready to visit some parallel demon worlds out there yeah i feel good thanks for having me on here gentlemen this is nice you got a nice little you got a nice little place here it feels very relaxed you got a whole new chairs i like it Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh you know i like this i like your couch because i start to sink into it a little bit it's like the couch wants to be a part of me or i'm becoming a part of the couch but I feel very zen right now with this couch. I can't explain it, but it, oh, it's so good. Well, you know, oh, it's, it's a so casting warm. couch, right? Yeah. Is, oh, that's that's okay. We'll go ahead. May as well take advantage of me now because I am just going to be sinking <laughs> to this couch. I can't move, man. Sorry. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for being on, man. It is a pleasure well, to have you. you. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Hell yeah. Well, before we get into our movie today, why don't you tell us a little bit about Cinema Recall? Yeah, oh, oh my. All right, hold on here. You gotta give me a second here because you're right. People out there, they do not people out there do not know how comfortable this couch is. It's like <laughs> it's like how to describe this? It's like this warm hug. It's like this nice warm hug. And it also it's very gentle. It's very sweet. It's kind of erotic in a way, but not creepy erotic. It's just nice and just makes you feel safe. <laughs> 
I, I feel safe being here. Like, I to, like I'm freaking then, right now all, all about my show. But yes, uh, I'm one of the hosts of Cinema Recall Podcast. And oh, oh my gosh, this thing vibrates. Oh, fuck, yes. <laughs> oh, god damn. Okay, yeah. Cinema Recall is our podcast. Uh, me and my good friend of 20 years, Ashley Yurok, we talked about movies and we usually drink while we have our podcast going on. We are like a whiskey, I guess, friendly podcast. We do weed stuff too, but we're definitely a whiskey friendly podcast. And we just like to drink and talk about movies and music. And oh my gosh, this thing does head scratches. All these couches <laughs> the best. Holy shit. But yeah, we're just, you know, a movie podcast we like to have on guests come on to the show. Uh, we have a YouTube show, and we're going to try to book more musicians on the show. We haven't done our YouTube show in a while just because uh, Ashley has work, and we haven't been able to use the studio space because we're using it for basically free. So we haven't had a chance to record there in a while because they do sound work. Uh, in fact, the studio has even done... Uh, sound work and they did it for a most recent movie and I can't believe I'm blinking on it right now. Oh yeah, it was that um Bones and All. Oh, okay. They helped nice. do they helped design some of the sound work for that movie. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Nice. Hey, so, yeah, that's, that's a, so it's a nice high end little studio. So that's they've good. been and they've been working on doing like uh commercials and shorts, but that Bones and All was like the first like bit feature that they got. So they're away doing that, and now they're just doing... The place is called Conduit Snow Studio. That's where we do a lot of our podcast shows on. But other than that, we've just been doing podcast shows uh, from the home um, and just doing that stuff. So, yeah, we just we talk movies. We have guests come on. They talk about movies. We have different months. Like, right now, we're doing our retrospect on David Cronenberg films, bringing nice. in a different guest to talk about... Uh, David Cronenberg features like we've had the guys from Film Rage talk about Crash. Oh yeah, we we worked with Film Rage as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had them on our uh, Halloween ends episode. That's right. Yep. Yeah, great cats. Um, we've <laughs> yeah. had on there. Uh, what's his face? Oh gosh, my mind's not working right now. Uh, we had Cam from uh, Jacked Up Review Show, Cap oh. Jacked Up Movie Review Show. Nice. He was on there nice. to talk about The Fly. And, oh, yeah, we just had uh, the guys from Science Fiction Revenant to talk about uh, existence. And, yeah, it's been, it's been fun. Hell, yeah. Yeah, Hell yeah, yeah, man. Hell yeah. I'm pretty sure most of those podcasts follow us on Twitter as well. So I Oh, mean, yeah. They, all the guests, if you go on our series, there a lot of the guests that we've had on the show, I'm sure, have been on your show. We'd love to get you guys to come on to our show. Oh, that would be great. That. Certainly. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah we're, we're totally uh, up for it. Anytime. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. All right. Uh, but, yeah, that's it. Cinema Recall, Cinema Recall. .net is where you can find all of our stuff. We have a Facebook group. I don't, I'll, I'll do my plugs at the end. I'm sorry that I'm taking things yeah, away. No, no problem. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but this but, couch is so good. Oh, oh yeah. Isn't it, though? <laughs> it's like the best thing ever. Like, right now, if you want to if you want to you know, get on this couch, that's totally fine with me, too, because this couch is so good, guys. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right on, right on. Okay. I'll be Beautiful. good. <laughs> <laughs> well... Anyway, we are here to talk about uh, a video game movie. A, a video game movie. A good in, one. 
A good one, yeah. A good. I was gonna say a good one, but I wanted to hear your thoughts on it before I just unequivocally said this is a good one. I, I think it's a good one. Oh, definitely. It's it's one of the better ones of its era, to tell the truth. And of course, we're talking about the first Silent Hill movie. And th- this movie, I remember seeing this for the first time actually in the theaters. I. I I think it was first run, to tell the truth. It was with my buddy uh, Joey. If he's listening, he'll probably remember. Um, Like, it was quite an interesting experience. Like, lots of people were in the theater at that time. It was like, I mean, because this movie got a good little amount of buzz. Yeah, yeah. uh, Well, and see, this came out in 2006. I didn't see it when it first came out, mind you. In fact, this was my first time watching it. But I I, I do kind of remember it. I, I do kind of remember it coming out. I remember it being a thing. And I actually wasn't aware of whether this was a good or a bad video game movie, but I knew the stigma about video game movies. But like as somebody who has now played the games and watched the movie, yeah, I agree. This this is a good one. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, it's 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 one of the actual it's an adaptation that actually holds up well, right? Oh, yeah. I would think so one hundred percent. I remember seeing I know when this movie first came out to theaters. I saw only a good five or eight minutes of the movie because I was leaving one theater and I snuck into this one (laughs) just because I wanted to see what everyone was talking about. And I know this is a movie that I kind of wanted to see in theaters when I saw ads for it. And I wanted to see the movie in theaters because it was from the co-writer of Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And Killing Zoe in Rules of Attraction, but Rules of Attraction hasn't come out that yet, but Roger Avery, and I really enjoyed Killing Zoe and Pulp Fiction at the time. And so when I saw that, oh, one of the head writers of these movies is doing a video game adaptation, I'm like, okay, I want to see this. And I forget, but I think I was with friends and they really wanted to see something else, something that I didn't really want to see. I, I myself wanted to go see this movie, but I saw something else. I can't. I don't remember what the hell came out that week, but I remember going into the theaters to just watch, like, a few sequences of it, and I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. And it's the moment where uh, our main character, played by Rhonda Mitchell, uh, she first discovers all those, um, I guess, creepy zombie kids chasing after her and grabbing oh, onto her. That's Oh, yeah. And then it wakes up yeah. with her um, at that bar, and they're playing Johnny Cash's Rena Fire song. And that's like, that's all I saw in the movie. Wow. Okay. Well, you know what's funny is. At that time. I mean, and th- that's a pretty good sequence in and of itself, actually. I mean, that's really where we start to actually see the horror behind Silent Hill. And it actually, in a lot of ways, everything up to and including that sequence really actually mirrors the first game. I mean, yeah, they changed the, the, the character names, they changed the protagonists from. Uh, a man to a woman but other than that the basic stories in place and and up to a certain point it, it's almost exactly what i think up until when when they get to the school it's pretty much the the plot of silent hill one and then they start to kind of throw a couple other things in there to, and they, they use music and characters from various points of the series like silent hill 2 there's even some uh silent hill 3 and silent hill, hill 4 i hear although yeah. i haven't actually played those ones so yeah, I know one of the scenes actually later ended up making its way into Silent Hill Homecoming because I have actually been playing that one, and uh, that that whole scene where they actually like like they take the knife and they they rip the the portrait open 
the painting open and then there's a door behind it. They literally okay. that literally made its way into Homecoming. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's another oh. case of a, the, a video game movie coming out and actually having some influence on the game itself. You know, kind of like how a lot of stuff in uh, Mortal Kombat, the Mortal Kombat movie, kind of influenced uh, right. subsequent games and everything. Well, or how things in the MCU start finding their way into the comics, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's another good example right there. See, yeah. you. I've only played the first game and the fourth game, and I saw, like, clips of the second game. Are you familiar at all with the games before you saw this movie, or...? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I go far back with Silent Hill. Like, the first game, uh, I I played it on the PlayStation. I don't remember if I bought it or if I rented it, but, yeah, I remember playing it and pretty much beating it in a whole weekend, and it, it was quite possibly one of the better performing games I'd ever seen on the system up to that point. Maybe, maybe up till like Spyro or like uh, crash bandicoot three or yeah. whatnot. Okay. It's like, yeah. it, it, it was really interesting cause it, it was just dripping with atmosphere and it was all this, instead of pre-rendered graphics, it was all like in game uh, rendering. It was all rendered in 3d in game. And they yes. just used the, the fog and the darkness to just kind of only render a little bit at a time. And it, and it ends up actually working. And I think what, what Silent Hill did that like say resident evil didn't do is it introduced this style of atmospheric horror. And, and I think that that's what really like latched on with audiences. Yeah. Were you like more of a fan? I, I I guess I'm guessing that you were more of a fan of Silent Hill more than Resident Evil. The games that am I hearing that right? I'm not, I I don't know too much about the Resident Evil games. I played a little bit of it. I played a little bit of Silent Hill, and I always found the Silent Hill games just to be a little bit more frightening. I don't know. I think just, I like I know, it more. I, I like, here's the way that I see it. Resident Evil, it starts off more as a straight survival horror, but I mean, if you really just want more action-oriented stuff, especially from Resident 3 on and up till Resident Evil 7, it's like, that's the series to go with. It's yeah, more action-oriented. Well, this right here, it's more about narrative. It's more about, you know, telling a story and using the character's and the uh, antagonists and everything to tell that story. There's lots of symbolism w with uh, Silent Hill that goes a little more in-depth than Resident Evil did. Yeah, I mean, both franchises, from what I understand, actually kind of had that awkward phase where they were a little bit more oriented towards action horror, but Resident Evil a little bit more so, and Silent Hill has kind of always been, I think from the beginning, a little bit more survival yeah. focused. Yeah, well, well, I mean, Silent Hill was even trying interesting stuff like uh, going more open world with their uh, concept and whatnot. And yeah. And also, you know, having, having mechanics, like I think one of them, you actually take a psychological examination before you play the game. I think that was Shattered Memories, Shattered Memories which was yeah. the remake of Silent Hill 1, right? Yeah, and that it, one actually didn't have any combat. No, it didn't. And and that that whole mechanic was to pretty much determine what the narrative was going to be. Yeah. I had no idea that the Shattered Memories gave you a psyche belt test before you play the game. Yeah, it's crazy. Blowing my mind. That's something yeah, that Until is. Dawn also did, uh, but I, I guess uh, Shattered Memories did it first. Yeah. And uh, honestly, like, as far as, you know, which one's the scarier one, definitely Silent Hill, as far as the series is concerned. I mean, especially when they try, what they try to do with P.T., I mean, Ooh, yeah, that that that. I mean, for fuck's yeah. for fuck's sake, that that was like a bombshell on horror gaming. Like we we don't 
we wouldn't have horror gaming as we know it. We, we wouldn't have most of the streamers on YouTube as we know them if it wasn't for that game. And maybe arguably like Amnesia, you know, yeah. Dark Descent and whatnot. But Outlast. Outlast, yeah. Yeah, but Silent Hill, it's frightening, actually. I mean, even playing it is hard. I mean, that's something I experienced with PT when I first played that, and that was kind of my introduction into the, the franchise, so to speak. Um, and then even kind of going back and playing, you know, some of the original games now, there, um, th there is something that, that's very difficult about, like, just kind of pushing yourself forward and continuing to do it. And I feel like that level of fright and terror, that just unsettling feeling where you're just waiting for something to happen, that carries over into the movie extremely well. And I think that that's, that's where this movie actually really works, is that it the film not only directly adapts some of the things from the games and, and, and really faithfully, but it, it does what a movie adaptation of a video game is supposed to do. It, it captures the very essence of its source material. And all the while oh. creating its own identity. Yeah. I, what I think is great about this movie is that uh, director Christoph Gans really fought hard to do this adaptation. I mean, he wrote to Konami. And I know that Konami was very protective of their game, and he gave it to them uh, his pitch treatment about what he wants to do with it. And he's like, this is not going to be you know, a typical video game adaptation. I have such a love of this source material. And him and Roger Avery came up with this script, uh, that is very good. And even it's great about this, this adaptation is that it, it gives little nuggets and Easter eggs for fans of the game, but also for people who are not familiar with the game, it gives them just enough insight to make them excited about maybe when to visit the games. Because I know it did for me, because I remember playing the game here and there, but after I watched the movie... I'm probably going to go back since I'm horrible at video games. I suck at video games so bad is that after <laughs> I'm done, both, buddy. <laughs> after I'm done watching the uh, last of us game, I'm going to go back through and try to find the Silent Hill remastered to watch it. Cause I do remember seeing uh, a lot of the cut sequences and there's a YouTuber. Uh, his name is Cecil. He hosts the good, bad movies show. Oh, yeah, I, I'm, he, I'm familiar with him, yeah. He, he did a review about Silent Hill, and he showed comparison clips from, I think it was Silent Hill 2 and this movie, and they are verbatim. Like, yes. The way yeah. that certain shots are done, uh, I have to respect the, uh, I think one of the original game composers helped do the music of this and like you said before a lot of the songs and music that are in this are ripped right out from the game. the game and i think that that was such a great decision because honestly the music is what makes silent hill silent hill yeah i mean like beyond a shadow of a doubt it's kind of i mean it's the silent hill 2 soundtrack is practically like legendary yeah, and which uh, includes a uh, theme of Laura and Promise Reprise, which shows up quite a few times. Yeah, and it's, kind of, yeah. it's some of the most iconic video game music ever made. And honestly, they, they utilize it so well. And, you know, it really fits in well with where the script goes, with how it portrays the game. And I think what's key to what makes this work is that it doesn't try to like, it doesn't try to give you an approximation of the gameplay. It gives you an approximation of the game itself. Like you said, the essence, you know, like mm -hmm. 
like you know the like you have like Sybil, you have the character Sybil, you have like that sequence where you first see the darkness come in, and you have to go down the alleyway, and you get you get killed the first time. I you mean, know? shit, they even got the camera angles. Yeah, the from ca- the game. that was impressive. I mean, they actually took video game cinematography and made it work in a cinematic realm. And that's honestly like this is what you need to do if for any director of a of a video game movie like this is what I would point you at this is what you need to look at and I'm so glad to hear that Christoph Gans is coming back to do Return to Silent Hill which is I, I believe supposed to be an actual adaptation of Silent Hill two and okay really yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm impressed with that because I did watch Silent Hill Revelation yeah I've not seen that one yet as well. Which is the dread sequel to this, and wow, that is bad. Because I know that during the making of this movie, uh, Christoph Gans and the studio had a lot of like battles, yeah, trying to get this thing adapted, and they wanted to have certain things changed. And Christoph was like, "Well, no," and Stuart's like, "We gotta explain things more for an audience." And he's like, "Well, they're not stupid, all right." Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't need to make these changes to make this stupid. And it's weird watching the sequel. That movie is a studio movie through and through. Like, all the things that the studio wanted uh, Christoph to, to change for Silent Hill and he refused, they put that in the movie. And it just doesn't make any sense at all. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that later on. Um, but, yeah, i just very glad that he stuck to his ground as much as he could. I'm sad they didn't get him for the second one, but now he's back for this third one. I'm I'm excited for that. And hope I'm hoping yeah. that they can bring back some of the original actors. They do bring back some of the original actors like Sean Bean and um Rodda Mitchell and Deborah Cara Under in the second movie. But the second one does not have Joe Del Ferland, who is one of my MVPs of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, uh, yeah, everything down to, like we mentioned, the music, you know, bringing in uh, Akira Yamaoka's, you know, soundtrack just exactly as it is. I think only remastering a couple of the themes, but pretty much just trying to just make, you know, really lift that right out of the game. And uh, on top of that, you know, like the shot for shot cinematography and, you know, and just including like every, every little Easter egg and whatnot. But on top of all of that and being like a, a faithful video game adaptation or adaptation of a video game, I should say, it also has stellar performances. You know, like you mentioned, Sean Bean, uh, you know, Boromir himself. Yep, Boromir. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's somewhat of an original character, I guess. Well, I guess he is, you know, because... Well, uh, I, I always thought that he was supposed to be... Because in the first Silent Hill game... It's the father's searching for, like, they took the plot of Silent Hill, and I thought they just added the character from Silent Hill 2 into the plot of Silent Hill, Silent Hill 1 game. Yeah. Because they thought that it would work better with a mother searching for a daughter. And I get that. And let's face it, Rodney Mitchell is a little bit of a better actor than Sean Bean. Not saying that Sean Bean's bad. Yeah, he was fine, but also here's the weird thing too. I didn't think his scenes in the movie really mattered that much. I thought they yeah. were fine. Yeah, yeah. The, the mean, B plot of him trying to find his wife and daughter are are good, but they're just a little bit too much. 
And I was thinking that was the studio afraid to just have an all-female-led movie? Because this movie is pretty much female-led. Oh, it, it, it does kind of feel that way, honestly, you know? I mean, because, I mean, it was pretty bold at that time. I mean, it's like, especially, you know, nowadays, given movie discourse and everything surrounding such things, you know, it was pretty bold of them to go, you know, switch the uh, gender of the main protagonist there. But it it works perfectly, man. I mean, it's 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 seamless, honestly. Well, and, and at this point, we had already had Silent Hill 3, which had a female protagonist. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, that being uh, That being Cheryl Mason, right? Yeah. It was. Yeah, and that, and they also switched the names of the characters, or, or some of them. Like, Sybil is still Sybil, Dahlia is still Dahlia, but the main characters are... Uh, and what's funny is I think Silent Hill Revelation, I, I looked it up, actually brings back the, the original, like, Harry Mason. And, oh, for real? <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and and, and uh, Cheryl. But uh, anyway, yeah, there's Rose De Silva, Christopher De Silva, and uh, Sharon De Silva. So they're the De Silvas instead of the Masons, and they have different names, which Sharon's kind of like Cheryl. Yeah, Cheryl. yeah. a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I was just really impressed that this movie had a mostly female cast. Uh, Lori Holden as Sybil the Cop, Alice Creed as Christabella, uh, Deborah Kerr-Unter as uh, Delia, um, and then, yeah, just... That was it, basically, and I like the fact that you have just all these female characters in this horror film without really having to need a man there to save them, and I thought the whole thing with Sean Bean trying to save them just felt like out of place for me, so. It, it is very out of place, and that, that's why your theory that that was uh, maybe the studio kind of balking at an all-female cast seems a little more plausible to me, you know? Yeah. Because, honestly, those are the strongest parts of the movie is... You know, the conflict between uh, Dahlia and Sybil and Allison and all of them, you know, it's yeah, like... Thinking back, at, back on it now, it feels like, yeah, those scenes are a little unnecessary, right? It's they did A little bit. Although, the way that they ended the movie was kind of cool, where they it, you find out that they're still in the fog world. Yeah, it's that really melancholic uh, ending that, honestly, uh, Silent Hill is known for, but God damn it, it was still the dog. It was still the dog ending. <laughs> it has in the to end. be the dog ending, right? The, the dog ending. It's, it's still the dog. Or is it the UFO ending the from the first one? Well, yeah, the dog ending is from Silent Hill 2, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, so... Okay, so, I don't know about these endings here. That's just amazing. You know, yeah, there, there's actual joke endings for Silent, for the Silent Hill games. Yeah, really? yeah. yeah so, oh, like, you have all your different alternate endings, and the, the first time you play through the game, you're going to get one of, like, the normal endings. Sure. And then usually, I think on like on like replays of the game, that's when you get into some of the gag endings. Yeah. Like like in the original Silent Hill, I think it was just the UFO ending, and in the second one, I think they have a UFO and a dog ending, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, they kind of <laughs> have a, yeah double double the jokes. But you have to play through the game multiple times to see it. But I mean, the 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 dog ending even got made into a fucking uh, like a like a statue or something they made like a figurine i remember the memes going around that that was like the biggest thing from the whole silent hill press conference man i want a funko pop of it now i know really right? oh shit oh <laughs> damn okay oh yeah uh, i mean do uh i want to talk about like because i had to talk about this really briefly guys hope you don't mind i don't want to like 
dive or interrupt this conversation. Um, but I think the movie kind of starts off at a very kind of like strong note, hmm. uh, more yeah. than I would see other. When you see uh, Ronnie Mitchell's character yelling for her daughter, and just the relationship she has, and here's a story about a family whose little girl is having these very traumatic nightmares, and she keeps having nightmares about this place called Silent Hill. And so they want to go there to try to curb her of these nightmares, and then they get pulled into this other nightmare. And you're discovering the mystery about this place, and you find out that Silent Hill was once a minor community... Uh, there was a fire that burned everyone alive, and now they keep coming back. And I'm watching this uh, with one of my roommates and whatnot, and he was saying, like, oh, are these zombies? I'm like, no, they're not really zombies. They're no, just not, manifestations. Not yeah, like, they're manifestations. They're, like, ghost manifestations that are coming back. And I, I guess they can hurt you, but, like, I... I don't know if this area is just an area of ghosts and maybe these ghosts that can't see you. They're like the memories of a place. There's something very akin to like the shining when watching this a little bit. Um, cause they're each having to deal with their own traumas and darkness, but I'm never quite sure if these characters can actually hurt you. I believe they can. Cause the characters do die in the silent hill games. And what's funny is that the um, like like oftentimes what these monsters are are their manifestations of the protagonist's own mental illness. Like Pyramid Head is straight up a manifestation of James Sunderland's guilt, which is part of why Pyramid Head showing up in this movie doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And the fact that he showed up in this movie would later again an example of it finding its way into the games and he would show up at homecoming and other places and then what masahiro ito is would later go on to as a as as a chad say i wish i had never fucking designed pyramid head refused to elaborate (laughs) didn't even want to elaborate any further (laughs) it's so so great he is he's the best but I mean, I, the, the pyramid head showing up in the movie is still a lot of fun. I mean, it's just kind of like a cool, like, oh hey, you know. And since they're pulling elements from all the games, you know, it kind of works. It's you, just yeah. plus you you have yeah. to have them in there to do that. Uh, but what I found this is this also is a movie that does sort of attack uh, religion and structure of religion. Yes, very in much this movie. so. Which is kind of a bold thing for a bitch to do a movie to do, to yeah. say, hey, look, uh, we're going to attack organized religion in this movie. And it does so with the character of Christabella, because for people out there who are not familiar, uh, in this movie, uh, there's a little girl that lived in this town, Alessa, who everyone thought was a witch. And she got bullied and made fun of. Uh, she was sexually assaulted by a janitor in a bathroom. And no one believed her. They thought that she was leading him on. And so what does this town do to help this girl? Well, they're going to plunge her or cleanse her of all her evil spirits. And they're going to do it by burning her alive. Yeah. yeah. And... Oof. 
when while this is going on, she is able to, I guess, uh, use her new powers to break the chain and to burn the town along with her. But that rage was so strong in her that it created this alternate universe right? where everyone's demons and she basically creates hell on earth. All right. And, but at the same time, she was able to use someone was able to manifest the goodness in her to create uh, this new person, this new daughter. And she was given to a hospital. And now that's where Rada Mitchell and Sean Bean's characters adopt her and the visitors of family. But now uh, it's calling her back. Like her mom is calling her back to try to like yeah. use her skills. That's, that's kind of like how I'm describing the plot in a nutshell. I'm not doing that good of a job of it because this movie is very vague and ambiguous and it's a movie that is just much more fun to go into cold. And I'm hoping to God, please, I hope your listeners are smart enough to, you know, see a movie before they listen to a podcast or <laughs> yeah. not. But Hopefully. yeah, and I'm, I, I just, it's, there's so much stuff going on in this movie too and it's such a hard thing to really describe and it's hard for me to say why I like this movie so much. Like, and when we said about this movie before, too, we like this movie because it doesn't talk down to its audience. I mean, it puts you right into the middle of these characters. All right, this family's having a crisis with this little girl. This little girl's having nightmares about this town. They're going to ruin this town. And while they're in this town, even before anything happens, they get into an accident and the daughter's missing. So the mom's got to try to find out where this daughter is. And then she just she finds that all these dark things about this village and I'm sorry if I went through spoilers of this early and have fans here. We, Please cut that out if you need to. No, we, no, it doesn't matter. We do spoilers. We do spoilers on this uh, podcast. So that's no big deal. Yeah. And we're just kind of okay. all over the place with it too. Honestly, so. honestly, back in the day, we used to kind of do a little uh, plot summary uh, before we get into discussions. We just kind of let that fall by the wayside a little bit. Okay. But, that's fair. So, yeah. That's fair. I just want the people know just like a little bit of it though. And I, I honestly, um, if people have any issues with this movie, it may be the pacing a little bit. The pacing does tend to be, a little, at least on this watch, it was a little bit slow in parts. There were scenes that could have been cut down a little bit. But overall, this is a pretty tightly structured, edited movie, which I was very much in love with about it. Yeah, I can I can see where some of the slowdown kind of comes in here and there, but I mean, th- then it, it'll uh, kind of throw something from the game in your face. It'll just draw you back in. Like a good example is when you uh, first see the uh, nurses, you know, and, and that whole uh, conceit where they only come at you if they see light and whatnot. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, the, the script it. it it's very, those are very small issues though. I mean, it, it's, it's tight enough and, and it follows the game well enough that, you know, I mean, those issues just don't really add up to much. Honey, sometimes when you go to sleep, you go on a little walk and sometimes you talk about a place. I don't remember. That's why we're going to go there. So you can remember.
I don't know what's happening. Do you know what's going on here? This place is completely cut off. Only the dark one opens and closes the door to silent you. Hey! Where is she? I'm trying to find my wife. She looks exactly like Sharon. Why? You're talking about the editing of this movie, and I'm looking up right now, and the editor of this movie, Sebastian Panagrio. I'm sorry, I'm not French. I'm so sorry. Do not hate me, French <laughs> listeners out there. But the dude has edited some really good movies like Brotherhood of the Wolf and oh, nice. Martyrs. Ooh, oh, martyrs. He did martyrs. He did martyrs? Okay, yeah, okay, he, I can kind of see that. Yeah, now he now edited if- martyrs. Yeah, we we yes. did we did martyrs on an episode a few seasons ago. So wow, yeah, that's good very to know. Good. I was very but when uh, the, the the tall man. I think that's the only kind of credit I'm seeing right now that he's done for that. Uh, at least for ones that I know that people have seen. Other ones, I don't think people have seen before. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna like. That. Well, I guess the the tall man is one, but that's. Nothing else really comes to mind here. But yeah, just those two, the Brotherhood of the Wolf and uh, Martyrs were coming to mind. Wow. And yeah. looking right now to the cinematography uh, by Dan Lostin with my computer will load up fast enough here. He was the cinematographer for The Shape of Water. Wow. Nightmare Alley, Crimson Peach, and Dang. Brotherhood of the Wolf. Damn, man, he's he's worked on some Oscar-winning movies. Worked on the John Very Wick film so. series too. On, it looks on, like on John Wick. Damn, no way. Oh yeah, yeah. So he's very uh, solid guy, and you could tell that he collaborated well with Christoph Gantz, and Christoph Gantz probably showed him scenes from the game and was like, "Okay, I need Silent Hill to look like this, but real and better." Yeah, yeah. 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 And he's and like, okay. I mean, they, sure. They they do a fantastic job of it. It it really feels like the games have come to life for a modern audience. Arguably, maybe brought the franchise to a wider audience as a result. Yeah, I, I know mean, it did for me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, of course, of course, I was already, you know, I'd already played the uh, first game by this point and the second game. I, I don't think I'd played the third game by that point. But, but yeah, I mean, like, say, like, for instance, my parents, I, I was talking to my mom about this the other day. You know, she doesn't play video games, but she watched the Silent Hill movie when it came out. Yeah. So it's like it's it's one of those things that, it, yeah, it, this could very well be your entry point to the series. And it actually works. 
they make a couple differences, so it just kind of stands alone as its own continuity. I mean, I, for instance, in the movie, it's Silent Hill, uh, like West Virginia or something. Yeah, yeah. It's, Sorry, it, what, what, yeah. Yeah, no, no, it's in West Virginia, but the original's in, in Maine, right? In the original game, it's in Maine, which makes sense because Silent Hill would be in Maine. And also, it's, it's yeah. a total <laughs> Stephen King reference, too. I mean, come on now. <laughs> But yeah, and they even kind of built up this whole like like Toluca County and, and thing and whatnot. So I mean, they're making all the references there. I guess at the time, maybe it hadn't been established in the games which state it was in. Or yeah, well, what the script did not forget is that Silent Hill itself is the main character of Silent Hill. You know, right. the titular and everything. It's like, and and that's how how it always was in the game. The, the, it's Silent Hill itself is the main antagonist. It's, it's the it's the final. You're it's kind of like you're already fighting the final boss the entire time that you're playing the game, kind of. Yeah. You know, because it's just this huge imposing presence, like both in the fog world and in the metal world. It's yeah, just the transitions from the fog world to the, the other world were cool too, because not only do you have you know the the siren sound that you would come to expect, but they even at specific points show the uh, the fog world kind of peeling away to show the other world. My my favorite part was how they did the lighting for the darkness. For the darkness, it just everything just ooh, and and you just it just how the lighting just completely dims out as if it, it actually really looks like there's just this darkness that's eating up the light. You know, I feel like such a moron, guys. I did not realize that Christophe Gans is essentially a French filmmaker. He and is. I think this yeah. may be his Makes only sense. English movie that he's ever done because he was the director of Brotherhood of the Wolf. And he did, I guess he did do a live action adaptation of Crying Free Man. Didn't realize that. Hmm. Uh, he also did a another live-action version of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, he that was did on 2014. Beauty and the Beast. Not, or... the, yeah. not the Disney one. No, I, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, I remember With, that um, one. It had the girl from Blue is the Warmest Color. Yeah, yeah. In it, uh, which I'm forgetting her name. Uh, Leah, Leah Sado. Leah Sado? Leah Sado, thank you. Yeah, yeah, Leah yeah. Sado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... I forget in blue in the warmest color was she the girl with the blue hair or no? Yes. Yeah, that was her. Yeah, she was the other naked hot lady. In, that movie. <laughs> in case you forget, I do. There, I do have that. Two, I do have the criterion of that movie. So th there, there are two very attractive women who got naked a lot in that movie. And man, seeing that movie in theaters with a bunch of senior citizens. <laughs> oh god damn was both awesome and awkward at the same time because i'm like i'm watching the hardcore set scenes with my grandma oh wow <laughs> yeah that, that's it that's awkward as fuck <laughs> Shit. Uh, but yeah but and it's weird i know that this movie was not a financial hit when it came out right away and i know that there was a lot of uh, issues going on with the studio, and it took a while for Christoph Gantz to make this movie. And this movie should have, like, catapulted him to stardom, to have him direct more movies. And I'm kind of sad that it did not happen for him. Because, uh, yeah, he, would, he basically, after this, he kind of went back to France and be like, all right, well, I'm just going to make movies here now. And he just yeah. really made one other movie. Uh, and But... It's kind of sad because you want studios to give directors with a fresh vision and idea 
the money that they need to create this project. And we have not had a good video game adaptation movie since this one. You really think have so? We really? Can we think of one that's been better or at least as good I think, as this one? I think that the two Sonic movies are pretty okay. Yeah, but yeah, we okay, yeah, okay. look at them as movies. Like, yeah, I understand. I understand what what you're saying. Very like, like that holds up to the same quality. That's like as a standalone movie, not just as an adaptation of the game. It's just, it's just yeah, really good. I, I got you. Yeah, and, yeah. And I'm struggling to think of anything that really kind of actually meets that standard for me. I mean, I liked the new Mortal Kombat movie. I liked the original too, for what it's worth. Yeah, yeah. that's true. But you know, they're not. Uh, I don't really feel like it, it holds up to the to this level of like. Well, because it, it didn't need to change anything. Because you look at the Resident Resident Evil movies and how yeah. completely different from the source materials those are. And I enjoy the Resident Evil for what they are, but they're not really Resident Evil movies. They feel like it should have a different title to it. Well, shit. And when they tried to actually faithfully adapt the games, which you could argue they actually did with Welcome to Raccoon City, if nothing else, it was very faithful. It was just they tried to mash too much together at once and it didn't really work. Yeah, it, it felt okay. really incongruous. And it just wasn't maybe it wasn't executed as well as it could have been. But I, I didn't hate Welcome to Raccoon City either. And I and I liked, you know, the first Resident Evil movie, even though, like you said, it's very different. It, it did somewhat capture the essence of what Resident Evil should be to, yeah. to a degree. Well, the thing about this movie is that uh, Gantz, he he didn't forget about the horror. Yeah. You know, that's that's what uh, uh, Paul W.S. Anderson completely fucked up with Resident Evil's. Like, it, it was kind of present there in those, those first two movies, but... He, he forgot that the, that Resident Evil is it's a horror series. The, the horror is part of it, you know. Yeah. And it's like when you're and, and and I understand that Resident Evil amped up the action afterwards, and that was more or less kind of a direct, you know, thing between the movies and the game there. But it's like here, Chris, Christopher Gantz, he he actually remembered that this is a deeply psychological movie about trauma and in mental illness and everything, and he gives it that respect. Yeah, I would argue, in fact, the protagonist of this one uh, is actually much more mentally ill than, like, Harry Mason was. Oh, arguably. Although not quite as fucked up as James Sunderland. Oh, yeah, no. Not, not even close. I mean, yeah, she didn't uh, pillow murder anybody. Yeah, no. <laughs> but See, she... I gotta start playing these games again now because I'm not really remembering these characters' names. James Sunderland and I, the only, the only, I only one I kind of played all the way through or watched all the way through was the fourth one, The Room. Yeah, that, that's a very interesting I, game. I was very much into the whole thing about that game and being stuck in this room. And I gotta play that one again because that's probably my favorite one until I revisit Silent Hill Two because it sounds like Silent Hill Two is probably the best one of this. So, uh, it's, of the ones I've played so far, I think it's the one that I enjoy. But I actually haven't beat it all the way through yet either. So, gotta have to to. But I played through like I think at least half or or, or for the majority of the game. But yeah, no, I what I what I. What I thought was interesting about this movie, kind of circling back to the um, the use of, of the manifestation of mental illness and trauma with the main protagonist, there's a few things that you notice are kind of off about her right away. Like, why does she run from the cop? If she had nothing to hide, she should have just stopped, stayed there and, and, and waited for Sybil to, like, 
you know, I was kind of wondering like, what is, what is the cop going to do? Like what, why did she even pull her over? Like, you know, and instead she just runs it. And then I'm like, okay, so protagonist is a little bit off. She makes some questionable choices, not there just then, but throughout the film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, maybe because I'm sure she was on the run and I'm sure because at that time her husband's cut off her credit cards and I'm pretty sure her husband wants to try to get the kid back. And the mom's like, well, no, I need to get to Sound Hill to care of my daughter, no matter what it takes. Uh, but in a weird way, you kind of feel like, well, maybe she's controlled by the order to bring the kid there. Yeah, no yeah. what circumstances it would be. And yeah. no, she's there to protect yeah. her kid. But maybe she's being influenced as well by the residents of the town. Uh, it's a weird thing too because you talk about her mental stability and I recently rewatched The Shining, Stanley Kubrick's movie, and a lot of the things that are happening to Rose in this movie kind of feel like they were happening to Jack and we don't know if she's mentally unstable or not, but you kind of brought that into a whole new light to BBC and maybe she, her blind devotion to her daughter maybe it doesn't make her see the dangers that are happening perhaps, to her. Perhaps, perhaps, yeah. So, I mean, I know she sees the dangers of all the creatures and everything coming after them, but she doesn't really know too much about her daughter because her daughter is adopted. They do establish that, that uh, Rose is, not Rose, sorry, Sh- Shannon is the you know, ad- adopted daughter of theirs. And it's just... And I know she was doing everything to protect her kid, but she doesn't really know where her kid comes from. And it finds out that her kid comes from a lot of trauma. I mean, literally bad trauma yeah. is what happens to this little girl and this family. And they really want to try to put an answer to it. And maybe this movie has a lot to say about mental illness and cause mental illness because a lot of people want to have explanation for things. And maybe this is, this is something that cannot really be explained. Uh, there was an evil entity, and when people talk about evil entity, they talk about, well, maybe it's an evil entity that can be talked to or calm down, or maybe we can, you know, try to just subdue it with drugs. Uh, but no, this was a horrible thing that happened to this little girl, Alessa, and the rage just built up in her so much that it destroyed this this town. And even though there were good people in the town that tried to help this little girl, there was just not enough. It was just, the town's just forever cursed. And uh, then you have the, um, was a Crisabella played by uh, Alice Creed, who tried to use religion as an excuse not only to burn this little girl, but the, she also wanted to try to use religion to force people to do even more damage and to even burn more innocent victims as well, to think that by doing this, you will cleanse your soul and you will make everything better. I mean, yeah, such a biting criticism or or critique of of organized religion. And uh, what's interesting, Bo, is I remember you pointed out that there's a lot of Christian iconography throughout the movie, which is interesting because the game's kind of more focused on, you know, more like, cult-like imagery but this movie uses a lot of the christian imagery and that yeah. was kind of ballsy 
Honestly, I, I think that that has more to do with a cultural thing, you know, being that this was made for American audiences. So it makes a lot more sense that, you know, they would use that type of iconography. And, 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 it, it, works, it, would, yeah. and it would make more sense that in the games in Japan, they would use more occult imagery because, you know... Good point, yeah. yeah I mean, it, that's probably... It, you know, it's just kind of, you know, otherworldly enough and different from, you know, Japanese uh, mysticism and whatnot that, you know, it doesn't fall into those tropes. And then you can use different tropes that way and tropes that f fit into a more Western narrative, which is kind of what Silent Hill always was, sort of. It was mm -hmm. kind of like a Japanese take on a Western narrative. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's a Western narrative through a Japanese lens. And now we're seeing that through an American lens. I know. It, it's, it's kind of this weird feedback loop, right? Or, or Western lens, I should say. I mean, yeah. Christophe himself being French. Yeah. It's an American movie by a French director that's adapted from a, a Japanese video game series that focuses on, a, on an American location. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, Jesus Christ, there's so many levels that Silent Hill is a mindfuck, right? Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of the way how, like, uh, um, Paul Verhoeven made Robocop. We yeah. got this Dutch filmmaker making the 80s action movie on American and it being a satire on America. Uh, I don't know if I would call this a satire on organized religion to an extent, Um but I think it does address those issues, uh, also the issues of how we handle um, mentally unstable people. Yeah, it's just, it, I think it's actually a brilliant. Also, not only that, just on the basic surface of this movie, if you take away all that religious iconology and all that symbolism, you have a good story about a mother just wanting to find her kid, which yeah. is a simple story structure. Everyone can get by that. Even if you have no kids, I still think you want to. You're because Rhonda Mitchell's character Sharon, uh, she is. Or sorry, Rose. Sorry, Rose. She is our sort of like our audience avatar. Like we are going through the story with her. Like we want her right. to find right. the stuff about. Uh, and when they do find the kid, and you realize that all the stuff that's happened to this Alyssa character. And how it connects to her daughter is just really great. This movie, this movie has some really fucked up imagery. Oh, very much so. Oh, it's grody at times. Yeah, it, it, it gets to be really intense and just kind of like like and I watch I'm watching the movie like it's R rated, but come on now they they give the R rating for probably a few f bombs here and there, but oh no, people would get their skin ripped off. All right. Bring People it back to like martyrs, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, going yes. back to martyrs. Yeah. Very much so. There she goes in this bathroom and there's this guy that's got like all these chains digged into him. And I'm like, oh, wow. And this was released by a major studio. Okay. All right. Oh, and especially based on a video game too. And the barbed wire that goes up the vagina. Yeah, that yeah. was hard. It was basically like like Japanese tentacle rape. <laughs> Hentai, oh but with barbed wire instead. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I got it. Okay, so this movie had a lot of great uh, production design. Like, a lot of, like, sets were used in this. Uh, there was a few CGI elements, but not so much. Uh, a lot more CGI in Silent Hill Revelation. But the production designer of this movie is our one and only good friend, Carol Spear, 
who has done all the production design work for David Cronenberg features. Oh, yes. Like, all of them. And she did the set design for this one, and it's really cool. Uh, And I like the fact when it goes from the Raiddler world to the Dark Silent Hill world, and the paint starts to scrape off the building a little bit, and you get to see some of the big set words. I mean, even the bathroom. There's a bathroom that's in this movie that is just absolutely, like, one of the most creepiest bathrooms. Uh, there's also a classroom in this one that still kind of gives me shivers a little bit when yeah, watching it. That's the elementary school from Silent Hill 1, too. Like, Is it? Okay. That's exactly what it looks like in both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, wow. I mean, I, that, that's why I say, like, up to that point, it's actually following the plot, even right down to the whole premise of parent looking for their child, which, you know, again, is something as a dad, like, I can actually get behind, and it's it's why I think that plot worked for the first game. And then it just kind of evolves, and it, and it starts going off from there. Yeah. Oh. Can I take this moment right now just to talk a little bit right now about uh, the actor... What the hell? I can't... Jodel Furland. Can I talk a little bit? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Are you familiar with this actor besides this movie? Not entirely. No. Okay. Well, there is a movie that you should watch called Tideland. I've, I've heard of Tideland. Yes. You have. I've heard of that Terry movie. Terry Gilliam movie. Yeah. I'll, I'll be really brief about this movie. It's about this little girl who has two parents who are heroin addicts, Jeff Bridges and um, Jennifer Tilly. Yeah. And yeah. she's caring for them. And after her mom overdoses, her and her dad go to live at her grandma's house. And while there the dad dies of a heroin overdose and now she has to live in this place by herself. And all she has is these doll heads as friends. Damn. Yeah. And through the course of it, she develops like this friendship with this other woman and her mentally challenged son. And it's about how much darkness is in this kid's life that she's able to see light and happiness throughout all these bad things that are happening. And I think Joe Del Ferland, who is like at the age of 10 is in this movie and she just controls it. She is very good in Thailand. And even though she has a small part in Silent Hill, I still think she still holds her own. Oh, definitely. Even you're doing a movie that has like a lot of like really dark elements and some, very kind of twisted stuff, especially a story about a little girl being burned alive and she's yeah. being burned alive <laughs> yeah. to help cleanse her soul and everything. And she, because she actually does play both parts, she's um, the little girl, uh, Sharon. She plays Alessa and also the uh, darker version of Sharon in this. And when she is like all dressed in, in black and doing her creepy demonic things right there oh she just just sells it so well yeah she, she she's the quintessential creepy horror girl like and i really wish that she i think after this and now thailand did not get a uh, release here in the states uh people thought that it was too cruel to children yeah i mean it's not made for kids but i think kids could watch it and be okay with it because kids are a lot stronger and smarter than we give them 
credit for a lot of times. Um, I just, and I find it be a shame that the other movie I've seen um, this actor in was like a Home Alone sequel. Oh, what? <laughs> I, God damn it. I, and I, I'm so upset that she wasn't into like, did more things that I thought she is absolutely brilliant in both uh, Thailand and Silent Hill. Yeah, I that's just kind of wish she would just do more. Yeah, at, like, at, at that age, that's such a great filmography, man. I mean, especially working with Terry Gilliam. I mean, yeah, like just going now, just going through her homography, and she really has not. Done, she did like a lot of like uh, direct-to-video features, um, but just has yeah, really just has not. Done, I mean, the only other. She was in the oh, she was in the Cabin in the Woods movie. Oh, okay. And she played. Uh, there's a scene where they're going through all the different types of horror tropes that are going to like attack them, and she plays the uh, the redneck. She's part of the redneck family. Oh, okay, okay. That hell yeah, hell yeah. Shots everyone there. Yeah, she's done that. But yeah, just oh, and I'm so I'm so happy to see like child actors you know, actually give out, like, really great performances. So, yeah, listeners out there have not seen Tideland, I do recommend they do watch that. It's really kind of a good one. I know it's playing on the Arrow video player and whatnot, but, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I had to take a few minutes to talk about Joe Del Ferland because no, she's she, great. She was fantastic in this movie, honestly. Yeah. At such a young age, uh, even, and you're right, man, she really should have had a higher trajectory with her career after this because, I mean, she she pretty much played three different versions of the same character right yeah. three different characters basically yeah. like like that that's insane yeah and, all in the same movie that that's range and this is why like i think recently there was some some movie or something that they actually gave a, a razzie out to a child Fi- actor. the fire starter uh really reboot. Oh, yeah come. i did not like that movie but i thought she was but she was good in that movie but i did not think that there's nothing well, the accident was not the issue of that movie. Well, I didn't see it, but but here's here's what I saw. I saw that they later retracted it and said that child actors are no longer going to get Razzies. And I was like, wait, hold on a second. Being a and I don't know whether this the 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 performance was good or not. I didn't see it, but all I'm saying is is that I know I've seen good child actors. So you they that doesn't absolve you of, of having, you know, a modicum of quality with acting. So, <laughs> so yes, kids yeah. should get Razzies if they deserve. Sure. Them. I don't know if I was a kid, I would, uh, I would have that, just hold that as a fucking just medal of honor, dude. I would just be like, yep, I got a Razzie. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would... guess I can see what it would do to like a kid's like, like uh, mental health or whatnot. I mean, look at what? like Jake Lloyd, I guess, but wait, then again, wait, that was do you, mostly do you get from, Razzie. The audience. No, Jake Lloyd didn't get a Razzie, but he got just shat upon just by the on. by the Star Wars fans. But adults, adults are are treated that way too. So it's not an inherently child versus adult issue. First I mean, of all, if they were just shit on by Star Wars fans, that should be like a badge of honor right there. Right? Like, I know. They, seriously. Because seriously, fuck those. That that's fucking bullshit. Like the same thing happened to like one of the stars from like the Last Jedi. She got. Oh yeah, as well. From yeah, line. the girl that played Rosa Tran. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I would be like, "Come on, you little bitches, give it to me." All right, you're at home, you're at computer. I don't give a fuck. All right, look at this. You know what I got right here? Money, bitches. That's right. I got money. <laughs> look at this shit. I'm sure the girl this in Firestar when I like look at this shit. I've got money, so I I don't care. Bring it at me. I fuck you. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. Fuck you. I'll wipe yeah. my tears with my hundred dollar bills. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's what I would say. 
Right yeah. on. Yeah. Oh. And, and then also, we uh, want to mention to um, Deborah Carr Unger as uh, Alyssa's mom in this movie. Really great. Uh, Lori Holden. Uh, I mean, God, Mary, she, Merry Christmas from Dumb and Dumber yeah. as the cop. Yeah, exactly. Damn. Which, and I thought she was like a badass lady in this. I'm like, holy shit, you are just kicking ass and taking names in this one year, girl. And I'm watching this going, oh, why aren't you in more action movies? Because you are really good. Yeah. Um, oh, yes. Definitely. And I've only seen, I've only seen Deborah Carr Unger in like in this movie and Crash. And so I'm like, yeah, you have a good, and, and the uh, game, I forgot about uh, the game. Cronenberg Crash or Oscar Bait Crash? The Cronenberg Crash, Cronenberg the only Crash, crash okay. movie there is. Yeah, yeah, right on, I got you. <laughs> well, hey, uh, anyway, I guess uh, we should probably start getting into our final thoughts here in a little oh, bit. Oh, God, I'm so sorry, I'm, no, I'm rambling on a wave. No, it's all good, man, it's all good. And everything we, and, we, we, we encourage this sort of thing. Yeah, we encourage it, we're just, we're, we're kind of hitting that over an hour mark so yeah we'll, okay. we'll sort of yep. wind things down here um yeah starting off with you Vern, what are your final thoughts on silent hill all right with a solid script by roger avery and director christoph gans silent hill is a wonderful adaptation of a video game and it's so good that you don't have to play the game to get it but for fans of the game if you love silent hill game you are going to love this movie because it's going to have all the Easter eggs and visual clues and things you love about the game. So you watch this movie, you're going to be like, holy shit, I know that shot. Or I know that character. Oh my gosh, they said the lamp dollar. Holy shit, that's the music they actually used from the actual game is in this and all this. Oh, you're just going to love this so well. Uh, MVP of this movie is, uh, like I said before, Joe Del Ferland, who plays three amazing roles in this. Uh, yeah, very, very cool stuff. Yeah, I would give it about, uh, what I do, just thought five stars. Yeah, uh, I'm going to give it four because I still think that there are scenes of this movie that could have been cut down to make it an even, like, probably 95 minutes. But other than that, it's a solid feature. So, yeah, four stars, four out of five. Excellent. <laughs> nice. Alrighty. And, and, Bo, what about you? Oh, man, I think that I concur for the most part. I mean, I really, really, really like how the script just, like, like I said, it's not so much, you know, focused on, you know, just giving you the gameplay just in movie form. It's actually, it actually brings the world to life. It brings the uh, characters to life. The characters are just as interesting. Like, even if they are, uh, you know, gender swapped and everything, and yeah, we have the these uh, we have this movie with all these strong female characters who, like e even the antagonist is a, is a female. Like she's the mm -hmm. head of the cult yeah. and everything. And you know, and and that's kind of another interesting theme that we didn't really get into is the fact that this is also about how religion polices women and women's bodies and whatnot. <laughs> that's a whole other issue there. You know, it's like a Hamid's Tale into. story. Yeah, but it's yeah, it, but yeah, it's like it, it's a really great way to introduce yourself to the lore of uh, Silent Hill, and, and, and the fact that it incorporates a lot of the uh, a lot of the themes and a lot of the uh, a lot of the characters and a lot of the music from the original games, it gives it authenticity, which is at that point is what video game movies was just really kind of 
they were lacking for the most part. And it part. gives you a great ambiguous ending where you're not quite sure if they get out or not, which I absolutely love. Like, my yeah. end, the ending of this movie is so good, and they fucked up in the first one, like, so badly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that that ending is fantastic. I I love it. It's exactly what a Silent Hill ending should be for a movie. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a while since we've given any type of star rating here, but I I concur with the four star rating. It's it's definitely something that like anybody who loves horror, anybody who loves survival horror, or if you're just a Silent Hill fan, or if you're just a casual fan of just dark movies, like just check this Mm -hmm. one out. All right. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. As for my final thoughts, uh, again, I think that uh, this stands is not only a, a fantastic adaption of a video game that really captured the essence of that series from what I've seen of it, but also just works as a standalone film. It's it, there's just just a level of quality. Kind of wondering why this movie didn't hit it off as well as it did. I mean, and it's just. You know, and I think even was negatively reviewed at the time by by critics because I mean, just looking at the movie from a cinematic standpoint, it does a lot of good things. It it, it does a lot of things right. It does a lot. It does horror right, and it really again captures the the entire uh, concept of of psychological horror, of atmospheric horror, of not needing to rely on jump scares to just to make your audience feel unsettled yeah yeah i think because it didn't do so well because i don't think the producers of the studios really put a lot of work into marketing this movie that well uh they didn't know what really to sell for the fans of the game or your average joe blow right there and i think they just kind of failed because this movie is a good adaptation for both they should have like sold it more as a good horror story and let the fans kind of discover it on their own. Yeah, they they just didn't do a good job of trying to uh, advertise this movie is all I'm saying. Definitely, yeah. yeah. It, it, it always works out that way, right? Marketing kind of fucks it up. Yeah, and here's yeah. the thing, too. Even the movie doesn't do so well when it first released, it gets discovered again by podcasters like yourself uh-huh. and this new <laughs> appraisal. And soon we'll be seeing a Arrow 4K Blu-ray edition coming out here soon, like a 4K special edition. Yeah, yeah, release yeah. coming out with uh, all new commentary tracks and you know people going, oh, this movie actually was a masterpiece of its time, and it'll come back to it'll have like a fathom release. Yeah, well, it'll, it'll have an Arrow uh, video release here very soon, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, well, that'd be awesome. With the release still, still of the new movie, which is set to come out, I think I think this year, last I heard, we're supposed to get it. Haven't heard a whole lot about it, but again, Christoph Kans is involved. It's called Return to Silent Hill. It's supposed to be an actual adaptation of Silent Hill 2, and in that sense, will actually appropriately feature the Pyramid Head character. Sure. <laughs> I'm loving that. I'm and, so excited for that. I think I've heard that it's actually disconnected from the previous continuity. So it's a, it's just its own thing that's uh, really okay. Um, and and it, I think it's supposed it's going to be a, a modern retelling of the Silent Hill 2 story if I'm not nice. mistaken. Nice. So Excellent. Yeah. I would love it they just call it Silent Hill 5. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Just Really just mess with the whole timeline of, like, horse sequels. And it's like, nope, we're Silent Hill 5. What happened to four, 3 and 4? It doesn't matter. We're 5. 
Fuck you, that's why. Pull, pull yeah, a George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like that part there. Silent Hill 5. Fuck you, that's why. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and, and I, I'm actually really happy to see that the franchise is making a comeback because, I mean, we've got nothing but pachinko machines for the past several years. I mean, Silent Hills was going to happen, and that's what MPT uh, was showcasing that, and then it got canceled because Kojima left, and, and we got robbed of Kojima directing a oh, Silent shit. Hill game. Um, and uh, what's-his-face, uh, Guillermo del Toro working on it as well. But we are getting a Silent Hill 2 remake now. We are getting a few new games okay. coming out as well. So I'm actually really excited about to see what this, the Silent Hill franchise has to offer, to see what Christopher or Christoph Gans has to offer with the next film. Uh, but with that being said, Vern, why don't you go ahead and uh, take some time to uh, let our audiences know uh, where they can find Cinema Recall. You know, plug your shit. Da, 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 da. We are Cinema Recall. We're found on the internet. You can look up cinemarecall.net for all your movie loving needs. It has the Vern and my friend Ashley. And we get drunk and talk about shows. We'll see us on here and there. Sometimes we're in our underwear. <laughs> and that is the Cinema Recall Show. I saw a fuck. What the fuck am I doing? I'm sorry, guys. I'm I'm a little drunk right now, so... Uh, hey, it's, it's all good. good. It is all good, bro. I it love is. the energy. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but please check out our, our, our podcast. We do talk about fun stuff here and there. It's a great... We are informative, We, but we're also very serious as well. We're funny. We're serious. We have just a lot of great fun, and I'm hoping you guys will come onto our show to share our insanity. And thank you. Oh, uh, if you're on Facebook, check out our Facebook group called Crack. Be a crackhead. We oh, we nice. don't just like to we don't like to, like to inform drugs, but our group is called Crack, which is Cinema Recalls Awesome Cinematic Club with a K. Awesome. awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, yes. Well, all right. That's that's awesome, man. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, as for the world of collateral gaming, since this is a collaborative episode after all, uh, and, and, and speaking of Silent Hill, we're actually going to be doing our side of the Silent Hill collaboration. Uh, the next bonus round, which plan to record over the next few days, we're going to talk about the Silent Hill game series, namely Silent Hill 1 and Silent Hill Homecoming. Going to kind of do a uh, duality thing with those two games and uh, talk about the good and bad of, of the series. Excellent. Yeah, and I'm going to be on that episode as well, and it's going to be quite interesting. It is going to be interesting. Um, we should be getting... Do you guys have a Twitch channel? Do you guys like, play the games for that? Like that We have a cool. Twitch channel. I just don't do anything with it. So right okay, now we pretty enough. much okay. just record podcasts on it like we do with Collateral Cinema. But oh, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Okay. I would love I'm to... I'm fucking up your end in here. I'm sorry, guys. It's, it's all good. It's all good. So, yeah, I, I'd love to uh, to fucking branch out and do that. Uh, we should have our It Takes Two episode out as soon as possible. And uh, and then next month, we're going to be doing another collab with Collateral Cinema because uh, we're doing the uh, Takashi Miike Ace Attorney movie. So I wanted to take this opportunity to also do the Ace Attorney games because I love them. <laughs> and speaking of Collateral Cinema, real quick, Bo, uh, what's coming up with us? Well, we are going to have our Need for Speed episode, another video game movie, incidentally. <laughs> we're going to have that out, and then we're going to be doing Spaceballs. So look for that. We'll have a movie recommendations episode out with the director's cut. 
And uh, with Collateral Cinema, you can find us on whatever podcast app you use. And you can uh, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Hells yeah. Check out our Patreon as well. We do have $1 and $5 tiers. And uh, I'm sure we'll have more information about our podcasts in yeah. the show notes. And also find us on Good Pods. Give us a uh, five-star review there and on Apple Podcasts. Help us, uh, help us uh, climb the ranks. Hells yeah. But yeah, we're sitting here at an hour 20. The Zoom meeting is about to end. So I guess we'll sort of uh, wrap it up here. Again, Vern, thank you so much for being on. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. I had a blast being on here. I'm hoping that you'll allow me to come back on here and sit on this nice couch. <laughs> oh, just, oh, my this gosh, couch is nice, couch. isn't it? I'm just going to sit here for a little bit, guys. Don't, don't mind me. Snore, snore, snore. With that being said, I'm Bo Maddox. And I'm Ashley Chancellor. And on behalf of Vern from Cinema Recall, we are out. Cinema is a collateral media podcast. All music and movie clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.